Welcome to It's a Good Day Podcast. We are three friends who love to laugh and believe that through Jesus, even the tough seasons are good. You never know what will happen on our show, but we hope you will join us as we find the good in every day. Hello and welcome to It's a Good Day Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Today we have Norma Zare with us. This is Delight here, and I am joined with Wendy and August. Hello. Hey, guys. <laughs> and yeah, I'm excited to have you with us. Will you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, <clears throat> you've already said my name is Norma Zare. I live in Lowville. I'm married to Mel, and we've been married for 60 years, almost, mm-hmm. in a few days. And we have 20, well, actually, we have four children, 20 grandchildren, and 20 great-grands with three on the way. Wow. So that's a big family. I was thinking like three. I'm just making sure there's no, like, more that I didn't know about just to, yeah. Yeah, I think there's three. Yeah. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Hard to keep track sometimes. What, like, I just, I didn't know if you wanted to tell about, like, your favorite grandchildren. Right. My favorite? <clears throat> your favorite granddaughters, especially. Well, let's see. Two of them are here today, and oh, the third is a surrogate, I think. Is that what you call it, a surrogate? <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> surrogate granddaughter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yes, she is our grandma. Grandchildren are fun. One thing I could tell you right now that just came into my mind was, um, or is, that about a year ago at Christmas time, I guess, I felt overwhelmed because I never prayed for each grandchild separate. And I felt like it was like a lump sum praying, like for all my grandchildren, but didn't seem enough. And I know the Lord put this in my mind to start with my oldest grandchild and pray for that grandchild the first day of the month, then the second grandchild on the second day and third. And so I I listed them down in their order of birth, and that's how I do it. And um, when we lost Melvin, he would have been number 10. So when his day comes to be prayed for, I pray for his friends. So all of my children get prayed for grandchildren get prayed for once a month. I'm not going to say I'll do it forever, but I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, That's really cool. That's great. I love it. Um, okay, so what are some hobbies that you have? What brings you joy? <laughs> what brings me joy? Or what are you passionate about? Okay. Um, I'm passionate about people being saved. And um, I'm passionate <clears throat> toward the Lord about every one of my children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren until Jesus comes, that they will know the Lord. I'm like, um, I'm like a, a dog with a bone and uh, that. Like I'm, I'm just tenacious about it, that I, I just want to see them all in, because that's all I'm going to take to heaven is my family and people that I have won to the Lord. So, um, and I'm passionate about breaking down people's legalistic view of Jesus. I hate legalism. 
if anybody knows me, they know that. I just, I don't like it <clears throat> because I have kind of lived under it somewhat and it's taken me years to get really free of it. So I am passionate about helping people know the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you give us an example of how you how you do that? Like, how does that play out in your everyday life to break that down? I think for me, it's <clears throat> listening to the right voice, listening to what Jesus says, knowing the word of God a lot helps me to overcome the enemy. Yeah, I would say knowing the word and speaking the word, speak and say, no, this is not true. You know, the, the voice of the enemy is always there, but I'm, I'm passionate about, especially young people, getting this under the belt at a young age. So what kind of things would you say to someone who, like, who would have that, maybe who is walking, you feel more in, legalism like what kind of things would you say to them to show in a loving way of course like how who Jesus really is and how that's not what they need to walk in I don't know I guess an example comes to me though in my own life and I had wonderful parents I find no fault in them really but for the legalistic power, I re- remember this. I don't, I don't think I felt like I was brought up necessarily in a legalistic home, but the church I was brought up in might have been a little more legalistic. But <clears throat> I know one thing in my home is that nothing could be laid on the Bible. Like if the Bible was sitting at the, on the coffee table and... And... Uh, you laid something on it. It was like, oh, don't, nothing goes on the Bible. Nothing. And that, I, and it may be, for them, it probably wasn't legalism. But for me, it was. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the time, did you, did you feel like that's really dumb? Or did you, or... Did you respect that at the time? And now you're like, oh, that that was legalistic. At the time, were you like, why can't we put something on the Bible? Who cares? I don't even know if I ever thought through it. Okay. Until later in life. Yes, okay. I'm mm-hmm. just curious. You know, I think the pendulum can swing. You can be over here with everything legalism, and then you can come over here where nothing matters, everything's fine, everything's cool. And I am quite intentional about being careful not to, not that I, not that I haven't ever come way over on this side. But it's important to know that you just can't do anything and everything. But Right. right. Yeah, I think um, legalism is more, it's just a fear-based Absolutely. Like when you feel like you can't put anything on the Bible or anything that causes fear, like that's that's not God. Like he's more gracious than that. And yeah. That's good, Wendy. It's really good. That's the word I would use, fear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like I think with 
with the pendulums, it is very important to make sure that you're not on one side or the other. Mm -hmm. And even like, I think we've talked about, or I've talked about with other people lately, just about like symbolism and different things in the Bible that matter, even though it seems like it could be kind of legalistic or kind of Mm -hmm. just strange and weird, but like it matters to to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's great. Will you tell us where did your journey with God start? Yes. Actually, do you know, I've always had a heart for God. From the time I was little, I remember of having a Bible. And I remember in the back of the Bible, they had prayers. And I would say them prayers. And it would even be like praying for soldiers and things. And um, just I don't know. I just had a heart for God. But when I was 12, I went to my sister's church and um, they had an altar call and I went forward and I was so excited, you know, that I had was going to heaven now. But it wasn't looked upon as a great thing when I got home because it wasn't our church. And again, no fault of my parents, but so you have no nurturing, nothing at all. Just that I think my mother might have been okay, but she said, well, dad probably wouldn't be so happy about it. So, and again, it's nothing against mom and dad or any of that. It's just that it's like nothing. So then when I was 18 and I had met Mel and we were going to get married, we had to go to the pastor and see if he could marry us and when we went he said well you have to be a member of this church so I said well I said I'm not even saved yet how could I be a member so see I didn't even know when I invited the Lord into my heart because I didn't have any mentoring or anybody to to feed into that and, and to help me grow and so he said well what are you waiting for and I said <clears throat> Well, I don't know. And he said, well, you can ask the Lord into your heart right now. And so we get down on our knees. And of course, I had never said a prayer out loud in my entire life. I was so scared. So I looked up at him and I said, will you say it for me? And he said, no. He said, this is something you have to say yourself. And so I stumbled through a prayer. But that night when I went home, I felt like a burden had it rolled off my shoulders and I was born again. Did I ever doubt again? Oh yeah. The bishop came to visit me probably two weeks later and just wondered how I was doing in my new life. And I said, well, I don't really feel like I'm saved. And he said, oh honey, he said, it's not about feelings. He said, you, you do it by faith. Mm-hmm. So that, that was wisdom. Yes. That helped me. That's exactly the wording I was thinking. So that's how it started. But after 10 years, we, we were hungry. We had friends that we knew had something we didn't have. <clears throat> they were always inviting us to things like uh, big conventions down in Washington, D.C. And finally, we went one time. And, but anyway, we were hungry for more. And actually, it ended up being that it was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's really when my life started growing. It's like I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and I just would take my Bible, hurry and get my work done and then take my Bible in my bedroom and lay across the bed and just devour the word. 
That's where I really got to know the Word of God is that that, and it, and it changed our lives. There, a boldness came that we never had. I always wanted to witness to people, but I had, I was too scared. But after that, a boldness came into our lives. And Mel no longer slept in church. You know, my elbows used to get tired poking. <laughs> but <clears throat> he no longer was sleeping. We were alive. So that was a great, oh, what a great time. We saw many healings and, oh, just... Lots of things happened. It was it was wonderful. That's so cool. Yeah. Can you share just a little more about like when you say baptism of the Holy Spirit, like what what does that really mean to you? For, like even for someone maybe who hasn't heard that or what someone who doesn't know what that means. Can you talk a little more about it? Well, I think if a person would go through the book of Acts Acts and Corinthians, it, it will tell you. You know, before Jesus went away, he, he told them he would send the Holy Spirit. And um, it's really a teaching in itself. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I have lots of teaching on it. I mean, I've, I've taught on it quite a bit. To, to do that here would be really hard to, sure. to teach. But the book of Acts says it. Says, it says it all. It tells about it that we have in order to have the power. And um, yes, I speak in tongues. <laughs> but, um, you know, the scripture says that speaking in tongues, it edifies you, it builds you up and encourages you. And I need that. And you know, it says when you don't know how to pray, the Spirit will pray through you. And I have found even in the last year that praying in the Spirit is huge. It just gives you power that and shows you things to come. And it's, I think lots of times Christians will receive their tongues or prayer language or praying in the Spirit as the Word of God says it that way. I don't think we have a clue. And you, you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with tongues, but then it kind of lies dormant. People think, oh, now I got this. But it's really much more than that. It's a powerful, powerful tool. That's cool. Praying in the Spirit. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of maybe like exercise is for our bodies. Same. You know, it's like that for our spiritual spiritual lives, like a tool that we have yeah, that we can sure. use. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about your day-to-day, -day, your spiritual life now. What does, what does that look like for you now? You know, you're, what you, like you said, almost 60 years past that day where you mm -hmm. got down on your knees with that pastor, you know, and you had that encounter, et cetera. Now, how about, how about today? What does it look like for you now? Um, you know what? Journaling really helps me to stay close to the Lord. That is one of the ways. For some reason or other, I maybe it's because I'm older, I can't retain as much or something. I'm not sure, but that my journaling is, it really keeps me, my relationship with Him. And when journaling, that's... 
what does that specific, I mean, people journal different ways. So what, what does journaling look oh, like for you? So glad you asked. I happened to bring my journal with me today. Okay. One of the way I, I journal and diary and all of it together. But one thing I love about journaling guys is that there's no legalistic thing. Like you've got to do it today. You've got to do it today. Never been good at that. Even reading the Bible through in a year. For me, it's never worked. I can't, it doesn't work. I get behind and I get discouraged and I throw it all to the wind. So for me, journaling is, I might do it every day for a week and then all of a sudden I might not do it for two whole weeks. So I love that about journaling, that I can just do it randomly. I would like to just share with you recently what the Lord said to me in my journal. And this is what I do. I put a little J for Jesus speaking and N for Norma speaking. And so <clears throat> this is what he said to me. My children spend so much time in the cares of life and the frivolous things in life that they have no spiritual value. Oh, and they have no spiritual value, no sustenance. My people don't realize how important the word is. They snack, but they don't study. In the days ahead, they will yearn for more of me and my word. I'm putting such a hunger in my people, and nothing will satisfy it but me. Do you want food to give to others? It comes by your intimacy in the quiet place. You ask, how do I keep it going? This is how. You will be blessed when you hunger and thirst for me, because I am the only living water. I don't give just droplets, but canister after canisters, a fresh, sparkling, living water. Go forth and drink. When you have drank in the quiet place, it will spill over in your home, the marketplace, and wherever you go. Yes, even to your fellow Christians. Remember my exhortation about encouraging each other in Hebrews, and so much the more as the day approaches. Encouragement is a device I use to keep my people going. Encouragement from my word and from my children. Don't hesitate to encourage others and look for ways to do that. Don't say, well, I'm not an encourager. If you have me, you have encouragement. So be quick to listen and reach into the depths as to what will encourage them. And this was, you know, guys, this is a, was a little long, but it's just so... I know it's not my words. I, I don't think this way, it, you know. So he says, there is never a meeting of a person, but what I don't have a word for them. Never, 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 because it is my nature to encourage. Even David said he encouraged himself. Um, and where did that come from? It came from me. I'm full of encouragement. Now, every day it isn't that long. Sometimes it's one little sentence he'll say to me. But that day he was trying to encourage me to encourage others. Mm -hmm. So when you're actually writing, like, so when you're sitting down, you have your journal open, you have your pen, like, give us the practical, how did you come to that you're writing that and that, that that's what the Lord is speaking to you? Like, I, I think I started practicing because I knew in the Word of God, if God spoke to the people of old, He will speak to me. Mm -hmm. And I started practicing. And you know what? 
Most of it wouldn't be directional. Okay. But if it is, I would check with somebody. Does this seem like God to you? You know, because... Yeah. Like if you felt like he's saying move across the country, you know. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just started early, early on, many years ago, just started being quiet, talking. I might say to him, what do you want to say to me today, Lord? And sometimes he just says, I just want to be with you and love on you. That'll be it. That's mm -hmm. the end. You know. And so what you feel like you hear... Then you write it down. Mm -hmm. Yes, always. Okay. So I feel like you, your ability to be able to hear from the Lord, I feel like that's proof that you've been in the Word to recognize the voice of God. So have you ever gone through a season, like kind of a dry season, where you didn't want to get into the Word, you didn't feel like it, you didn't feel like you got anything from it? And if you have been in that season... What do you do? Like, what are some practical things that you've done to get yourself back into that habit? I think for me, again, it's praying in the spirit. I would just say, God, I don't even, I don't feel anything today. I don't even know where I'm at. I might even be confused. But, you know, I, I would pray in the spirit. And sometimes just going to talk to somebody else. Because you know what? No temptations come upon us, but what's common to man. We all have dry spells, and sometimes we look at people and think, oh, wow, they seem so spiritual. But when you really get those people before you and ask them, we all have dry times. And I think knowing the Word enough to know that He doesn't leave us or forsake us, that He's always there, even when we don't feel it. And, and I think, personally, it's good to keep reading the Word, even when you don't feel like it. Just read it in a way, and yeah, because it's going down in. Like one day he said to me, remember that you don't, a well is not filled from the outside in. Because I'm saying, oh, you know, I'm filming. He said, it's filled from the inside out. And so letting that well, he's in, he's in here. He's the well. So letting that come up and let that fill you, it was a revelation to me. Wow. It's so cool. Yeah. I think that's great. Have you had times, and I would guess that this would go with Wendy's question, where it was hard, where life felt hard, whether it was a tragedy or hardship or whatever, and what, what did you learn through that time? Yeah, <clears throat> we've had probably, um, we lost um, not our own children, but two children were killed on a hayride that we were giving back in 1980. Um, the death of Melvin. Um, Which was your, your grandson. My, my grandson, mm -hmm. and panic attacks. That that wasn't so tragic, but that was a hard thing to come above. And I just like to talk a little bit about panic attacks because, Please. oh my, I, I it, when it first started, I didn't know what was happening to me, and it was all fear based, and too much on my plate. 
and I I would get I, I was thought I was dying I couldn't breathe and the first time it ever happened I was at a shower and I had to lay right on the floor I thought I was dying so then after that I could I begin to recognize it would I could feel it in my feet and it would start to come up through but at that time God gave me this verse, and it had to have been a rhema word. Whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, are honest, mm -hmm. whatever. It's Philippians 4, 8. Think on these things. That was my salvation. I mean, my, my help, because they didn't last long, about a month. And I got that revelation. Mm -hmm. So one day I'm in the Globe Mini Mall, and Mel lets me off because he's going somewhere else. And all of a sudden, I think, oh my gosh, I'm in here alone. And immediately, I could feel it, right? My feet start. And I thought, no. And I started thinking of weddings and beautiful things. And just to say that some people think, oh, it's got to be a Bible verse and all that. No, not necessarily. He says, whatever is good and lovely and mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. So I remember that day Explicitly, that I started thinking of weddings, and it was just amazing. It just went. Mm -hmm. So I, I think a lot of people in this day and age are struggling with panic attacks, and it's, it is fear-based, as far as what I know. And it's what you think. Be careful what you think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And is that was that just a short season? Do you still struggle with? It lasted Those? about a month, okay. but then I can't say it never tried to come back again, but I never had a full-blown panic attack again okay. after that. Yep. No. And was it, did life just go back to normal? Did you have to change anything? I did. I changed. In fact, one of the things I wanted to say was, um, oh, practical ways that I can build my, a, a woman can build her home, mm -hmm. is knowing the Lord and His ways and running to Him. Mm -hmm. um, keep respecting your husband. That's huge. I didn't know that in my very beginning of my walk. Mm -hmm. I was quite self-willed and, you know, I, I didn't know that you should respect your husband, even though my mother did. She was a wonderful, godly woman, but it was never said that way to me, and I was a different nature than my mother. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn that. And, um, but being content, I feel, back to the panic attacks, I think a lot of younger women don't know how to be content. They don't know how to stay home they go a lot and they're overwhelmed. I, I feel just from yeah. listening and and um, concerned about the external things of life a lot that really don't amount to anything mm -hmm. much. When that's our focus, I should say, yeah. So focus on being content and thankful, I think. And the other thing is not comparing. You know, I think it was um, Roosevelt that said, comparison is the thief of joy. And when, when we compare ourselves, and women can do that pretty, pretty easily. So. so I think all of that in having boundaries, that's the other thing.
having boundaries. Because if you get so overwhelmed, you're, I don't know, is it the endorphins and all that in your brain? I think that can cause panic attacks and cause a restlessness in you. I don't know. I hope that's not clear as mud, but do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's good. Um, I'd like to go back to when you said about respecting your husband, like, and how you didn't know. And, like, what was it that you learned that maybe changed that for you? Or what what was the difference between maybe how you went about it before and then how you went about it after? Like, what does that mean to you, respecting your husband? Listening when he says something, mm. you know, that it might be something valuable and something that God is putting in him to say to you, mm-hmm. even though to me I could just blow it off, you know, mm-hmm. which that's, that's how it looks in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Does that make sense? I mean, yeah, okay. It does. Um, You had asked about some of the things, and I'd kind of like to go back just a little bit about um, what I learned uh, when Melvin died, my my grandson, because Mm -hmm. it it was a hard time. Melvin was staying with us for a few weeks, which was a blessing. We enjoyed him so much. Made lots of cookies during that time. Oh. <laughs> it was so cute. He would. He was very conscious of his weight and getting strong and everything. So he would take his vitamin power or whatever that stuff is called. <laughs> I don't know what it's called. Protein, Protein powder. powder. <laughs> Up the stairs he'd go with a stack of cookies and his, his power. Power drink. protein drink. Yeah. <laughs> That's cute. So that morning, about 8 o'clock, my son Melvin called and said, is Melvy there? Or did he leave for work? And I said, he left for work. Because your husband and your son and your grandson all yes. had the same name, mm-hmm. right? So yep. to differentiate. So Melvin 1 was my son. So when he asked if his son Melvin had gone to work, we said yes. And so he said, well, they called and said he hadn't showed up for work, and so would we, I, yeah, that was, I said, okay. So I said, we're going to Syracuse, and he said, well, be on the lookout. And so when I, we started out to go to Syracuse to, to drive a man to Syracuse. And when we hit 177, uh, I started crying, and Mel thought I was crying because of the story the man in the back seat was telling us, but it wasn't. I knew that this was not good. So we went about 25 minutes, and then we saw all the flashing lights and everything, and so the police was telling, we got up toward the accident, and the police said, keep going, keep going, keep going, and my husband said, no, and he said, keep going, and my husband said, no, it wasn't even like Mel. And then uh, he said, I think that's my son's car. And then he said it two, three times. I said, no, Mel, it's your grandson. And so he said, "Um, I think this is my grandson's car. And so he said, okay, pull over. So we pulled over. 
And um, he said, what's your name? And he said, Melvin's there. So he went back to the police car and came back up and he said, is this your, your grandson's? Is this your grandson? It was a picture of his license. And uh, we said, yes. And he said, he's deceased. And it was like surreal. It's just like, it's, you go into a different mode. It's like you can't even believe it, really. So we started making phone calls and so on. Yeah, it was, it was hard. So we got home and people were so wonderful and, you know, they did, did, did wonderful things and brought air conditioners in. It was just a wonderful time of community, all kinds of people being there and so on. So at that time, though, it was hard. I was never mad at God. I think there is something in me that knew that this is, God don't cause tragedy, tragedies. There's just, you know, we live in a fallen world. And so it wasn't him. I never blamed God. And, but there's just something in me that's so strong to just know that he knows. God knows. He's all knowing. And he knew it before we, before he was born, he knew it. He knew his life would be short. So anyway, one of the verses that helped me at that time was Psalms 84, 6 and 7. And this is in the New Living. And it says, when they walk through the valley of, it says, Baca, or weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. The autumn rains will clothe it with blessings. They will go from strength to strength, increasing in victorious power. And that was just it was a verse of hope. Even though you will go through, there will come springs of refreshing. And then the other thing I learned was that this was probably one of the biggest things that helped me. It disturbed me greatly that I didn't have comfort. I felt no comfort. I felt peace, but no comfort. Isn't that strange? And um, I... I always thought comfort was like this whooshy-gushy, climb up in your lap, hug you, that kind of feeling. And the Lord began to let me see that if this, if this is how it looks, if you have a barb go into your skin and you just don't pay any attention to it or you don't anything, feel it or anything, eventually it will fester and it will open and it will, it will be not good. And so he said it is normal with pain. If you don't feel the grief, it will come out in another way. You have to feel pain. And so I did a study on the comforter, and I found out that word comforter means counselor, helper, standbyer, advocate, strengthener, intercessor. Those six things, none of them would give me the idea that it's a whooshy-gooshy, wonderful feeling. It, it, what it says is that he is my comforter, and he is standing right there, and he will help me through it, but I am going to have to feel the pain. And you know, the scripture says that you go through things so that you can help other people. And I think that's one of the biggest things. 
I didn't know what grief even looked like before that. Yes, I'd lost my mother and father, but they were old. And I think people could tell me things and say, oh, I lost my grandson or I lost my, my husband or something. And I, it's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And on I would go. But now I listen. I listen to people's stories if I can and try to encourage people. It's huge. Grief is huge in this world even. Some other, other kinds of grief. And you know, I think I was shallow in that part of my life because I thought just we had this perfect little family that would live happily ever after. You know, just just can't imagine that this happened to my family. And I don't say that in a prideful way. I guess it just never occurred to me that one of my children or grandchildren would be taken, you know. And you know, the grief isn't even always so much for me. It's for my son because it was his son. That's, that's terribly, him and his family. That's probably been the hardest for me, is to see your child go through it. But all things do work together. I just know that. they Somehow or other, it's working to good, even though you can't see it. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I think when, when, there's, when there's grief, we have a choice to make. You know, we can... We can take it and let us go down, down to the pit, you know, yeah, really? which it doesn't mean we don't experience some of that. But I think even like you're saying about not feeling comfort, comfort, and then going after it, I think that that's, I think we do have that choice to take those things and then to see the good, like to see where God is working even within. And even the fact that when we experience that, when we are comforted, then we can comfort, like the Bible says, that we can comfort others with the right. comfort that we're given. Mm -hmm. Trust is huge. And <clears throat> after Melvin died, I had, before he died, I had a um, couple plaques in my bathroom and one said that hope is the anchor to the soul mm -hmm. and I really had to have hope mm -hmm. and but then I changed my signs later to trust in the Lord with all your heart and one day I was in the bathroom and the Lord began to show me in the word heart it came out it was like it, it didn't stand out but it did stand out and it said that there is an art to hear with the ear of your heart. It's all in the word heart. Mm -hmm. There is an art to hear with the, uh, with the ear of your heart. And he began to show me about the importance of trust. So important just mm -hmm. in everything of our life. Trust is huge. Thank you, Grandma, for sharing that and being vulnerable with us, with your feelings and all of that. We appreciate it. Okay, um, let's move into a little bit of a different topic. Um, you mentioned a little bit about building building your home. And 
yeah, what are some ways that women can be intentional in their life and, you know, like within within their home or just living intentionally in general? Okay, I think finding your gifting. Hospitality happens to be mine. So I'm intentional about inviting people and... And um, he told me back in 2006 that that was part one of my gifts. And he said, um, some people I will send and some people you will invite. And remember that it's the home of your heart that matters more than your home. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now here we are, August 2nd, 2019, this year. He said... Simplicity is the name of the game for your next phase of life. I like simplicity because it keeps my children more focused on me. So I said, I wonder how that looks for my life, Lord. And he said, meals, simple but lovely. And just to deter here a little bit, for me, it's like when I'm going to have a meal, I mean, okay, just say I'm going to have uh, potatoes and meat. Then I'm going to have applesauce and some, i got to have some um, olives and, oh, I think I should have a big toss salad. And, oh, maybe a, a <laughs> gelatin salad would be nice. And before I'm done. Maybe homemade bread. Yeah, oh, and homemade bread. I have way too much. So he says, he knows me, he says, simple but lovely. Fellowship is so important these days. Quality fellowship. Remember how I said in 2006 that I would send and some you would invite? Well, it wasn't just for physical food, but the sharing of my food and sharing the cup. I am not negating the physical food. I give you the means to have that, to enjoy, but I don't want you to forget the more important food. Now, I know already, well, yeah, he was talking about communion then. And so I said, okay. He said to me, what is your greatest need in life right now? And I said, to experience your presence because I can't go on without it and I can't live without you and I can't live without your presence. And I know you have much more for us to experience and perhaps that is part of the simple living so we can bask in your presence. Mm -hmm. so, so for me, intentional trying to remember now, okay, we're going to keep this simple. Um, that's one thing. Okay, another thing for um, intentional living is, um, to me, having goals and plan. Not just, oh, well, come see, come saw, whatever it is. Whatever. I think if to live intentionally, you have to have boundaries, you have to have goals, you have to plan a little bit, at least, and sitting at the feet of Jesus to find out what, what is it he wants. I don't think sometimes that I'm very sensitive. I just don't always listen. Unless I intentionally sit down with him, then I'm tuned. Mm -hmm. But I need a lot of help with this nowadays. Just when I'm out and about, I am so focused on other stuff, like getting my groceries or doing this, that it never occurs to me there might be somebody that might need a healing that God is speaking to me, lay hands on that person or... So I'm trying to do better about that and be more intentional. And when
when you say goals, what do you mean by that? Like, what are some, some goals that you would set for yourself? Like, is it long-term goals or are you talking like day-to-day? I think, I think, for just for instance, I have a chalk, chalk window that I uh, put in my pantry. So I write things down. I have a goal of, of write, I have people's names that I want to have in, like say widows or widowers or people that need to, and I'm intentional. I have, it's a goal of mine to have these people in, maybe within the winter or something like that. Mm-hmm. Because you know what? Truthfully, when you get my age, sometimes it's just easier to sit down with a book. If I don't have some goals or don't have some, you know. Just I think that's any age. Right. I don't think that's yeah. just your age, unfortunately. Right. Yeah, because time passes by. We get busy. Sometimes it's just more comfortable and more convenient to not have people over, even if it's a desire of ours. So I love that, even written out, even just a reminder. Yeah. Every time you open your pantry door, like these people. And even a list for me, any kind of list where you can feel accomplished after you do it, I think that's great. Yeah. 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 That's good. I love all of that. And I just love the, I love even just the going to the Lord with intention and being willing to just write down what you hear him saying, you know, like just hearing you read, like that is such a sweet relationship. And I think something to be desired for sure. And I think that I love hearing what he's speaking to you because I love that it's not just like, I like how practical even that it is. Like, it's not just, Oh, you know, some big love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, I don't know. Or just like what maybe what we would expect if God was speaking to us that mm-hmm. he would say. But I love that he's saying make simple meals. Like I think that I think he does care about those things. Yeah. And I think even when it is who he is, you know, like when we read the Bible, even when the Sermon on the Mount or different places, like he did talk about the practical things you know like he made lunch for everybody he made breakfast you know like he he does do that but I think sometimes we have we get in our minds that it's so he's so distant you know when actually he's he's right here he does care he is looking he's Mm -hmm. he cares about our little old us every day you know well even even when I think one thing that you read was um, him asking, what do you need from me? Like even just that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It shows the heart of God for sure. Yeah. The bread and fishes, even he didn't want to waste anything. You know, I've told him that before. This can't be wasted, you know. Right. I don't know how much longer we have, but right now I'm about 10 minutes. Okay. Uh, you know, you always want to make sure to be honest and tell people where you're at. So for me, right now, the last six months has been really hard for us because Mel has gone through this hormone therapy, and 
I'm telling you, it is hard. And this is one of the things that I'm daily talking to the Lord about because um, I'm just so impatient. I mean, he can't remember things and there's just so much he can't do. And so I have to take over and learn stuff and whatever. And I, it's just like every day, every day I can be mad about something or just be ornery about something because he don't remember something and it's not his fault. You know, I mean, somebody might try to preach me a sermon and say, well, it's not his fault. I know that, but that doesn't negate my feelings. Psalm 37 the other day and all the things. He says, fret not. Three times in that chapter, fret not. And be at rest and do good and all that. And it just so spoke to me. You know, it's not every day that it's so, that it speaks to you so much, mm -hmm. the, the word. But I love it when it. When he does speak to me like that, so awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's great. We really appreciate you being here. So awesome. It's been really good. So we have one more question for you, and it's one that we ask each week. What's good about today? And if you'd like to share, um, what does that mean to you? I do think that it's, it's important to find something good in every day might be one little nugget but it, it's good to to think about it I think what is good and you know I didn't say much about this but I'm a real bean on thankfulness I I God profoundly showed me in um, the parable of the or the story I should say about the ten lepers and I was reading it because I was thanking the Lord one day for doing something. He was saying how much he loved my thankfulness. And then he reminded me to go to the, the ten lepers. And so I read it and I thought, well, wow. When he said, where are the other nine? And then, then he said to this man, the one that came back and thanked him, go and be made whole, and I looked up that word whole, and it means deliverance and protection. The other nine didn't get that promise of deliverance and protection. Only this man got it, only the one that came back and thanked him. So I want to be a thankful person. I, I just think thankfulness is so, so huge. So, so what's good about today? I'm so thankful that I'm here. I love you girls. I love your podcast. And that's what's good about today. And I'm just glad to be alive and glad my husband's alive. Awesome. <laughs> well, we're super thankful that you were able to make time for us in your busy schedule. And I love you a lot, Grandma, and I respect you and look up to you. And I'm so thankful for all of the things that I have learned about the Lord from you. I feel like my life would not be the same if you were not the way that you are. So thank you. And I hope that we can have you come back again someday. <laughs> For sure. All Maybe right. the next podcast will be more laughter. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a good day. Have a good day. Have a good day. <laughs> <laughs> okay.